News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. It's a special show today because I open up with three major announcements, and I will not tease too much what those are because I think it's important for you to get the full context and the pre-show tease I think will really cheapen it. So I will leave you to do that. It is quite emotional, and uh, I will come back after the opening, and I'll, I'll give you an update on where we stand. I cover a lot of news, of course, and Peter Schweitzer joins me from the Government Accountability Institute and Breitbart Senior Contributor, of course, uh, breaks down all the latest Hunter Biden news, but more interestingly, where he thinks things are going to go from here. All that in today's show. It's a good one. Let's get into it. have an amazing show lined up for you, a guest light today. I think you'll see why in a moment there's a lot of news going on. And we also will have Peter Schweitzer, who will fill us in, I think, on all the latest on the Hunter details. Um, a, a interesting start to the show. Um, I'm going to be making three announcements right now, three announcements on the broadcast. And you'll have to follow along because there's a bit of a web I'm going to weave as I go through it. But... I'm uh, making. I'm going to convey some big news to the audience about the future of the show and my future, et cetera, uh, in the next few minutes. And I think it's something that um, is uh, worth discussing. So we'll have time to discuss it. But I will start with a little preamble that I, I've always loved radio. Uh, my first job in the conservative movement was for Larry Elder, who's now a presidential candidate. But he was a LA host, and then he was a national host. And I always loved his show in particular, but also Prager and Rush and Laura Ingram and Hannity and so many people live in who are on the air uh, while I was going in high school, driving around in traffic when I was in Los Angeles and I just got hooked and I always have wanted to be on the air from that moment on, really from very early. And it's been uh, over 10 years since Breitbart launched Breitbart News Sunday, um, which was our first show. And it's, it was 2013 we launched that and then we followed that up with Breitbart News Saturday, which launched about when we, I became editor-in-chief, which was October of 2013 of Breitbart. And finally, in October of 2015, we launched Breitbart News Daily with Steve Bannon as the host and me as his wingman, which was simultaneously exciting, occasionally infuriating, totally wild, and a really sort of a blast getting into doing radio every single morning um, with Steve, who, of course, is, you know, a larger-than-life personality. Um, and after after Steve went into the Trump campaign, which was, I guess, almost seven years ago, so it was in the fall, August of 2016, I've been the host of this show solo, aside from a couple interruptions that were very brief, for almost seven years. And this has been one of the absolute best parts of my job, and I have an amazing job, being editor-in-chief of Breitbart being able to be on the cutting edge of conservative new media. Um, I, maybe if I want to flatter myself on a given day, a pioneer in conservative new media, uh, it's been one of the coolest things imaginable, cooler than I would have ever dreamt of when I was driving around listening to talk radio and traffic. Uh, and it's been cool for so many reasons. I, I've got to monologue on all things that matter to me and uh, digress and make jokes. And uh, I think that's been really great for me because I've always been a talker, as you can imagine, and it's probably made me a little less annoying at home and with my family. Uh, I've got to interview the most influential people in the world in politics and occasionally pop culture and diplomacy. 
and maybe best of all, getting to speak to so many of the callers. And I think SiriusXM, just the way, the nature of the business model, has the best callers in all of radio. I think that there's just something about the specific way the subscription model works for SiriusXM. It just favors the highest quality callers uh, around. And I feel like on the best days, or most days, really, it's sort of been a mutual education where uh, hopefully you've learned from me, or else there's not a lot of point for me being here, aside from some mild entertainment. But I've certainly learned from all of you as well and honed my opinion, sharpened my opinions, and sharpened my tone and my voice as a broadcaster during all this time. So uh, unfortunately, though, uh, all good things do come to an end, though this isn't exactly an end, and I'll I'll explain. Um, But you may have noticed about two years ago, I stopped saying that when I was introducing the show, that I was broadcasting from inside the Beltway. Well, I've been broadcasting from the undisclosed location. Now, a couple of you eagle-eared listeners have sort of figured out where it is, but I haven't totally conveyed that to the audience on purpose um, because it might be alarming to some of you. I actually, um, the undisclosed location is in uh, California, and I moved there two years ago uh, to support my family and my wife Sorry. Um, But this is... This is an important show. And it's not just an important show for me. This This is an important show, I think, for Breitbart News... It's an important show for the country. Uh, this is really premium real estate in radio to be on the morning drive host on the East Coast in on a platform like Sirius XM. It's very it's it's coveted. It's meaningful. It's a way to reach a lot of people. And it's something that I, I cherish. So me and my team at Breitbart, we decided that it was important for me to continue to host as often as possible um, even though that involves you know very early wake-up calls I'll get through this we'll all get through this we'll all get through it it'll get amusing at some point and then I'll then I'll get focused um, so basically my alarm has gone off somewhere around 2 a.m. every time you've heard me broadcasting for the last couple of years and I think I was going through it I think I only slept through my alarm two times over the last two years which is about my exact record of when we were on at 6 a.m. So uh, I'm pretty proud of that. I and mean, that's pretty good. So once a year, maybe it's three, maybe, a, but it's about the same frequency. It's hard to do the 6 a.m. show too. I'm not, I'm not necessarily a morning person. So our intention was eventually to hand off the show to a successor and someone who I, as well as the team at Sirius and our management at Breitbart mutually agreed was a worthy person to step into not just my shoes, but this amazing slot of radio, which really does drive the conversation in very important circles, not just between Washington and the Beltway uh, and, and, and the Accela Corridor in Manhattan, but in middle America too, where we have a vast audience across the Midwest, coast to coast on the app, even listeners overseas and in Canada, et cetera. It's a big deal. And we weren't just going to give it to someone who we didn't think was uh, worthy of the slot. And I know that's somewhat 
self-flattering, of course, but it is what it is. And we really think we've found that person finally, and that person is Mike Slater. So uh, Mike honestly has it all in terms of broadcasting. He's got experience. He's a longtime broadcaster, as you know. He's been well introduced to the audience. He's probably hosted, I don't know, 30 or so times, maybe more over the last six months. He's got a depth of knowledge. He's got a youthful energy. He loves this country. And the thing that is most important to me is that uh, through my conversations with Mike, he's deeply committed to maintaining the voice of Breitbart. He, that's your voice. That's the voice of my staff. And he understands what an opportunity that is. And he wants to marry that with his skills he's been working on for well over a decade broadcasting on his own. So uh, as of Monday of next week, I'm going to be passing the mic to Mike. So what you're hearing here is I hopefully think is great news. Uh, Breitbart News Daily is not going away. Breitbart News Daily will continue. So all of your favorite voices that you hear day to day, week to week will still be here. I will still be here. I just won't be in the captain's chair. So um, from my vantage point, this is a could be a 360 win. As editor-in-chief of Breitbart, I'll be working with Mike on the production side, and I'll be continuing from time to time to join in. So you'll hear me in the broadcast, which is exciting, but also I'll be helping to program, set gas, set narrative, stuff like that too. So I'm pretty excited to be able to do that, and Mike has been a wonderful person to work with during this sort of interim period where we've been test driving a few options for what we could do. So, and of course, for me, for the first time in two years, when I set my alarm in the morning, I, the first number on it won't have a two in front of it. So that is, um, that, 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 that part is pretty cool. Um, so I, I want to give a few action items if you want to help me. Um, um, sorry. Um, I, I knew this would be a challenge. I, this is harder than I thought. Harder than I thought. Hey, it's the magic of live radio, right? Nothing you can do. Okay, so if you want to help me, here are the ways to stay involved. Um, the first thing is to support the show. The most important thing to me as editor-in-chief of Breitbart is that I'm going to be an executive on the show now, essentially. And so the best thing for me is if this show continues to succeed, and there's no reason it shouldn't. The formula's in place. It's the same formula. We just have a new captain. And I think that's a really great spot for everyone. Um, other things you can do. Uh, if you go to alexmarlow.com, you can sign up for, uh, you, to get emails from me. And I will update you on what I'm up to. You can leave feedback, suggestions. You can email me direct. I've just created a brand new email address yesterday specifically for this audience. So all of you can reach me. It's aloha at alexmarlow.com. Most of you will get the reference. Aloha at alexmarlow.com. And this email address specifically for you, the audience, so that you can reach me. I do not tend to stay away from broadcasting. That is not my intention. I feel like I'm meant to be on air, and I want to be back on air right away. And if you drop me your email address, you'll be the first to know when that begins. I don't know the exact format. Uh, needless to say, I've been very blessed of lots of opportunities in, to be on air. Those are not going away. Uh, so I will be back on a regular basis. I don't know what that looks like, but I know that if you go to alexmarlow.com and you drop me a line, then you'll be the first to know when that happens. So, so far, those are two announcements. The first one is I'm leaving, but not entirely. 
The show continues with Mike Slater, who's got my full endorsement. I have one more announcement, and this is a big one, a really big one. So since we'll be saying goodbye in a way, I wanted to share some details about one other major project that I've been working on. And the timing is actually apropos of today's news, which of course we'll eventually get to after I say, say my piece here. Um, over the last year, I've been working on a book of investigative research into the Biden family. Um, and I've done this as a GAI fellow, that is Peter Schweitzer's group, Government Accountability Institute. And I have a team of some of the best researchers in the country. And my research team is substantially larger than my team that worked on breaking the news, which I think really changed the way people perceive corporate media and, of course, was a New York Times bestseller. Um, this book is 1,700 and notes. It's the most explosive book on Joe Biden and the Biden family that's ever been written by a mile. And we are rushing it to print right now. We're trying to get it in people's hands as fast as possible. And if everyone reads this book, I, I do think it's going gonna, it's gonna to change the world. And I'm mentioning it for the first time right now. Breaking Biden is what it's called. Exposing the hidden forces and secret money machine behind Joe Biden, his family, and his administration. I can't give too many details. I, we're not even promoting it at Breitbart.com yet, and we're not going to for a while. It's too soon, and I'm actually running a bit of a risk even mentioning it here because I don't want people to try to get the book canceled before it makes it to the printing press. Um, so it is a risk that I'm mentioning it, but you, my radio audience, and my listeners who've been with me and have been patient with me as I worked on this, and even when it took me away from broadcasting, and understood that if I was going to be away, that we trusted each other, that I was using the time productively. Um, I wanted you to be clued in that this is happening and it's a big deal. So I couldn't step back from the show full time without telling you that this is one of a couple things and certainly the biggest thing that I was working on while I was kind of scaling back some of my broadcasting. So you can go right now to Amazon or alexmarlow.com and you can get 10 copies. It's on pre-order. It comes out in October, but you can pre-order it now. And giving them to people in your life could, could change the world. If everyone reads this book, the world will be a different place. Now, I'm realistic. Everyone won't read it. But if you want to understand Joe Biden and his administration and what's at stake right now in this country, I think this is the place to go. And the intention is to make it a, a work of scholarship. This is not just hot takes. I'll tell you, it, it, I, I think you'll laugh when you're reading it. I think you'll have a good time with it. But this is meant to be a comprehensive, or at least close to it, investigation into the president, his family members, etc. So that's it. Three big announcements. I will no longer be the host, but I'll be very much a part of the show. I'm very happy Mike Slater will be at the helm. I think this bodes very well for the future of Breitbart News Daily, which has been one of the biggest projects of my life, and I think the show's in great hands. And Breaking Biden, the new book, I hope it'll be a blockbuster out in October, but available now. Deeply investigated piece of work and scholarship. and But it's, it's also written. It's not a textbook. Uh, you will weep for your country as you're reading it, but you'll be laughing. I promise that too. So alexmarlow.com for more details about me. Of course, I'll be at breitbart.com as always. Aloha at alexmarlow.com if you want to reach me. You could bookmark that. I love this audience. I love this show. I've been blessed with wonderful staff and terrific support from SiriusXM and from Breitbart to do the show. And there's lots of good things to come. And uh, in the meantime, there's a lot of news going on. 
Uh, we'll start with Hunter Biden. The He has pled guilty to some federal crimes that will amount to very little. He tax evasion, federal gun charge. He lied about drug use while purchasing a firearm, which has been well noted. Um, he's still allowed to carry a gun, even though he's pled guilty to a gun crime. So a gun felony can still carry a gun. No jail time, no mugshot, no nothing. Obviously no handcuffs, no humiliation. Um, states back to an investigation the DOJ started in 2018 over unpaid taxes, over $1.75 million each in 2017-2018 were Hunter was delinquent in his taxes and it, it will willfully avoided paying them. So he signed a deal with the U.S. attorney in Delaware noting that, uh, which is, but there's one thing here that's happening. The investigation is still going to go on. So not all of Hunter's legal concerns will be, uh, have been addressed here. And this is one thing that I've not understood completely that people have, um, I've not understood completely that the people have sort of missed this, that this is not the end. For Hunter. And uh, Bill, just give you a heads up. If you want to call in, they want to ask questions and talk or complain or emote, uh, th- that's fine. We got we got time and a place for that. I should have prepped Bill on that. So uh, everyone, everyone's got a chance to weigh in. I want everyone to weigh in. Um, but Hunter, so he, he ended up borrowing $2 million from this guy named Kevin Morris, who's attorney. And Kevin Morris is an interesting guy. For whatever reason, he has not gotten a lot of scrutiny. So he had to get this to pay his tax bill. And this undercut his, I think, case about being able to pay taxes because he pretty easy access to borrowing money, getting it sorted out. And Hunter's new fixer, this guy, Kevin Morris, has basically is the central player in these finances. It's an interesting guy because Hunter's finances are, of course, dirty as can be. So this guy helped Hunter with his art sales, with his $2 million book deal. I think it was at least $2 million. No one bought the book, but Hunter got paid a bunch of money. And Morris also took over Hunter's LLC, or at least one of them. Hunter still owns a stake in BHR Partners, which is the Chinese equity fund. That is the subject of a lot of investigations. Um, it's definitely something that you will see in my forthcoming investigations. So the, the, the stake could be even worth tens of millions of dollars. We don't know the exact quantity of the stake. And all that's still out there. So the, the reports are that hunt, these amounting problems for uh, Hunter have actually started to cr- make Joe anxious. Joe cares more about family than anything else. I now know this better than anyone on who's not a Biden and isn't close to the Bidens. Clear, very clear. So there's no way Joe's not totally stressed out about this. But what's also interesting is how Hunter and Joe are still very much intertwined. I mean, people were talking a lot about the time where uh, Hunter was paying for one of Joe's phones and then was getting TO'd at Joe about it. It's apparently a true story. But they, they just went to Ireland together. They just went to Ireland together. So Hunter's still in BHR Partners, which is linked up with Chinese. Um, he's not paying his taxes. He's got a federal gun charge which I have to say, I, I, I can't believe you could be guilty of a gun crime, a federal gun crime, and still be allowed to own a gun. I, I mean, that is almost just a, a F you to the rest of us, right? 
Um, so um, Hunter will, this is not necessarily the end of his legal woes, but it certainly represents a effort to cut a lenient deal so that we could all move on and to cut it quick so it doesn't get into general election season. But I think that there's a lot more to be told here, and we'll see if James Comer ends up bringing the goods. We don't know a lot about these alleged briberies that took place. We don't have a lot of details on those. We know that there's someone has talked to a guy who's seen a video of some admission that this is happening. That's not enough yet. But again, we're getting sort of the drip, drip, drip approach. And I will tell you, you talk to people like Peter Schweitzer, who will be on later in the live show, and he will make you feel pretty excited that there's possibility that there's still smoking guns yet to be found. But this is uh, this is one of these ones where Hunter Biden, again, is sort of skirting the law that most normal people would not be able to skirt. I'm just hopeful that this note that people I seem to have overlooked, the investigation still ongoing, suggests that maybe there could be more, but maybe I'm just using wishful thinking myself. Simultaneously, also yesterday, it came out that he settled a child support dispute with London Roberts, his baby mama who's been ignored by Hunter, who's a stripper, and who Hunter denied having a relationship with. Um, Hunter had her on his payroll even though she was a stripper. So I'm guessing they knew each other a little bit better than just whatever Hunter does for extracurriculars. So he, he'll now be paying her $5,000 instead of the $20,000 of child support that she was owed. Could you imagine being the mother of the child of the smartest guy Joe Biden knows, Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, and knowing that he's selling Art prints, just the prints were going for seventy five thousand. the The new art was six figure price tag, but copies of his art going for seventy five thousand. He's got perhaps a eight figure stake in a Chinese investment company, equity company, plus other business deals around the world, and he's only gonna have to pony up five thousand dollars. And the Biden family won't even acknowledge that this baby exists. Even Jill, even Dr. Jill, St. Dr. Jill Biden ignores this grandchild. Even though technically it's not Jill's grandchild, but you get the point. Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, Jill Biden, they all don't acknowledge that there's this girl, Navy Joan Roberts. And she is has deadbeat dad who won't even pay his child support. And it, we, we, it's just such a casual news item from as much of the country. So that's where we are. It's a whole lot of nothing. And it says uh, a lot about the two tiers of justice in this country. It says a lot about the oligarchy and the current system that we're in, which is not acceptable. Shouldn't be acceptable to any of you. Emotional stuff, kind of amazing. I was not anticipating feeling so emotional. Uh, I knew it would be emotional. I did not know it would quite get me at that level. Uh, I was, you know, sort of trembling as I was talking. And I guess that's just life. That's a, it's, you really feel alive when you're 
on the year coast to coast and not totally totally in control of your emotions as I was when we were recording that on Sirius XM. Um, so where does that leave the podcast? And that is still up in the air at this point. I think our intention is to hand the podcast over to Mike Slater, who is the incoming host of Breitbart News Daily. Um, I think that's what I want the most. I'm a big believer in Mike and I'm a big believer in the podcast. And I feel like that could be uh, a suitable thing and give that a whirl for a while. Uh, but there are other voices involved and practicalities that are uh, not necessarily in my control. So uh, that uh, I think will be the working plan. If that changes, I will update you in the next couple of days. You will have a couple of more shows with me in the captain's chair uh, before I sign off. And then I will be moving on to something else, as I think indicated in the opening. I, what that is for sure, I don't know. Uh, and if I didn't know, I would tell you. I wouldn't hold that back. Uh, of course, there's been high-level discussions already by this point of where I will be broadcasting next, because I intend to broadcast again. But there's so many different formats and so many different options and so many types of content that can be produced. Uh, picking the right one is important. And that's why I encourage all of you to do those action items. Stay in touch with me at alexmarlow.com. Um, send me an email at aloha at alexmarlow.com. Or, and importantly, picking up Breaking Biden is one of the best things you can do to help me and I think help the country. And uh, pick a few extra up for people in your life who might not be inclined to get them. Uh, it, of course, does me a solid, but that's really the least of it. it it's the, the this is, uh, I, I did not write this book. I did not commit to this project because uh, I wanted to sell a couple of copies of a book. I, I did it because I felt like this is necessary and I was the only one who was going to do it. And I think the patterns and facts that I unearthed are mind-blowing, to say the least. And we'll have more of those down the road. It just won't be in this particular format. Um, so that's it. That is the opening of the show. Peter Schweitzer is in now. He is a friend. He is a colleague. And he is the best in the world at what he does, which is deep dive investigative research on particularly money in politics, but really the entire left wing apparatus. Uh, let's hear from Peter now. Peter, do you feel like all of your uh, all of your work, all of your the, the machinery that you put in place, you see it working throughout the day and you feel any sense of pride? Yeah, I mean, you always like it when uh, you feel a story is important, you investigate it. And, and mostly what we do at GAIs investigate. The writing is sort of the tail end. But you investigate, you expose, you expose it, and other media outlets um, say, oh, this is interesting, this is important. And they kind of stand on your shoulders and build on what you've done. So uh, that is certainly the case with uh, Hunter Biden uh, and Biden corruption story. Uh, we broke it on Breitbart in 2018. I, I wrote a book called Secret Empires. Breitbart has stayed on that story. Uh, and the rest of the media is caught up to the point where even the New York Times and others have kind of grudgingly admitted um, that Hunter Biden was doing this. And, and yet we are here today where you have this remarkable gift uh, given to the Biden family, this, this plea deal, uh, which is bad on so many levels. Yeah, and I want to get to it, but I, I will say, Peter, that you're coming on. It's kind of apropos day because it is the first day I mentioned to the audience um, that I've got a book coming out in a few months called Breaking Biden, which I've completed largely or am about to complete with a, a, your help in many ways. 1,700 endnotes, Peter. Is that, is that that's got to yeah. be a record, right? And and it's the yeah. <laughs> and um and it's basically trying to expand on a lot of the groundwork that you've you've laid. And it's just one of the things that is a theme in it. And and people can pre-order now if you're so inclined. 
Um, the we'll, we'll do a big splash of Breitbart when we get closer to the day, but I did want to clue in the audience. It seemed like seemed like a good moment to do it. Um, but one of the things that you'll find repeatedly is the pattern is they figure out ways to bilk the system legally. And I was right. just, it's stunning to see how many millions, maybe tens of millions are still unexplained and may never be explained. And this is, I don't want to get too far ahead of the details and I want to spend most of the interview talking about the details of what we learned yesterday and what we don't know yet. But it feels like the pattern you identified so many years ago is that we have a system that favors legal corruption and the people who are most skilled at exploiting it um, are living the high life in this country. And I think we just saw that on full on display yesterday. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. It's what they used to call back in Tammany Hall legal graft. In other words, people get to write the rules on what kind of graft is legal and what is illegal. And once they've written the rules, they just engage in the legal graft. And it's oftentimes behavior that that would not be acceptable in other parts of society because they're the rule makers, because they're protected. Um, There's not as much attention paid. So, I mean, think of a basic question that that nobody in the mainstream media wants to ask. No elected Democrats simply want to ask the simple question, which is, is what is the Biden family being paid for? You know, that, that we, first of all, they said, oh, we didn't get any foreign money. Now we know that the foreign money has come. Uh, we went through the laptop. We calculate from China at some $31 million. Uh, the House Oversight Committee has $10 million. Comer says they're going to get to $30 million. I think the number is bigger. Um, but the point is, you've got $30 million coming, not from Japan, not from the United Kingdom or Germany. It's coming from Russia, Ukraine, and China. Um, and the question that nobody in the media wants to ask is, what did your family actually do to get that money? Because when you look in the emails, <laughs> they, you know, a, a guy from, uh, from uh, China uh, who's linked to Chinese intelligence says, you know, I wired you $5 million. This is a interest-free forgivable loan right you know how is that how is that different from a bribe and nobody in the media wants to say well why did this guy give that to you um you know the 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 similar uh case with uh chairman yi um from the cefc uh the house oversight committee released those records hunter biden said um that it was seed money uh for an investment well of course the investment never happened and that quote-unquote seed money, good faith seed money to build a company, was immediately dispersed to everybody in the family. That has nothing to do with seed money for a business. And yet nobody wants to say, wait a minute, how is it that these guys are sending you this money? What are you doing for it? Um, yes. So it's remarkable, remarkable, the lack of curiosity. And why does no one do anything about it, Peter? Oh, the, this is the the main thing. And again, we'll get to some of the, the the specifics from yesterday. But the bigger picture is what matters most. And anyone just tuning in, I want them to get that. Make sure we've given ample time to this. I, I it's just so such little has improved since you started to identify this pattern. And the problem that I see with it is that if things don't improve soon, then we're just going to accept this that this is the way it is, and we should not accept it. This is an outrage. Well, I think it's been accepted in Washington. Um, I, I would say the bright spot uh, for me, and this is one of the things that I always remember uh, about Andrew Breitbart, is you've got to stay in the fight and you've got to remain optimistic on some level. Not un- in unrealistic terms, but you've got to be optimistic. And 
If you look at the polling, uh, the Harvard-Harris poll, this is not a you know conservative pollster, ask the question, um, you know, do you believe that Joe Biden engaged in criminal behavior uh, to help his family's um, money-making ventures overseas? 57% of the American people said yes, including a majority of independents. Look where we were in 2020 when, when the media covered up this story. The vast majority of the American people didn't know. Uh, they didn't understand it. So the American people are starting to get this. The same number, by the way, I think it's 58 percent of that Harvard Harris poll believe that, yeah, this this allegation in the FBI documents that that uh, Joe Biden took a bribe from Ukraine. Fifty eight percent of the American people polled by Harvard Harris said, yes, Joe Biden took that money. Right. Um, so so the American people get it. The problem is, is that the institutions and the people in power in Washington are behind and why are they behind some of them are behind frankly because they may may not have this exact corrupt model of enrichment but they have something kind of like it so they don't want to uh, call it out it's the same reason you remember with uh, monica Lewinsky and bill clinton while some republicans didn't want to raise the issue because they were engaged in in somewhat similar behavior so that's part of it Uh, but i also think it is the overarching power that exists in Washington. Part of what is going on with Donald Trump uh, is that the deep state and, and the government apparatus has decided they don't like him. <laughs> That's the understatement of the day. And part of the way it manifests itself is with this harassment, this litigation and this fighting. Um, so, you know, again, if you're part of the, the, the power structure in Washington and you start raising these questions on both sides, as, as we have, uh, you're going to start facing harassment. It may be an audit from the IRS. It may yeah. be, you know, some questions raised. That's that is a very real fear that some people have in Washington. Uh, and they should, because it just does seem like the pattern. So let's go, Peter, and let's go back up and let's 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 figure out what we learned Yesterday, and then I want to get, of course, your reactions to what we learned. But um, Hunter Biden, multiple tax evasion issues. It looks like didn't pay taxes on 1.5 million in income, 2017 and 2018. Going back to this DOJ investigation that started in 2018, which I'm sure you had something to do with that. So, uh, congrats on that. Um, and he signed this deal with the U.S. Attorney in Delaware. And one thing that's noteworthy is that I want to get your, your thoughts on this. Uh, this is a little talked about detail so far is that the investigation is still ongoing, allegedly. So that means it's not necessarily over, but it seems over based off of what we're seeing from the way the media is presenting it. So the first question I have for you is, is this it? first of all, what is it? And second of all, is this it? Is the, this the end of uh, th- this sort of investigation? Yeah, you know, look, uh, I, we've talked about this before. I was kind of optimistic uh, that we were going to get some clarity from this grand jury, from this U.S. attorney. Uh, I don't think we've got much of it. I think it's essentially over. And the tell to me is oftentimes in these cases, uh, if there is a plea deal struck, particularly one that's as favorable to Hunter Biden as this, because let's keep in mind, these are tax evasion felony charges that became misdemeanors failure to pay taxes. Uh, I would not advise anybody to do what Hunter Biden has done. He only paid his the taxes that he owed and acknowledged it after the grand jury was investigating him. 
Um, so don't try that because they will charge <laughs> you with a felony. Right. Um, but 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 here's the point, Alex, is is usually when you get a sweetheart plea deal like that, part of the agreement is that you as the defendant agree to cooperate with the prosecution uh, on other issues. There's no mention of that whatsoever. And I doubt that 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 Hunter Biden has agreed to do it. That leads me to believe that that they are going to wrap up. Uh, the rest of the investigation. And let's remember, there there's the Foreign Agents Registration Act, which he clearly yeah, violated. Right. In fact, there's even emails where his cohorts say, hey, we got to register under Pharaoh to do this. That goes away. The political corruption uh, uh, stuff involving his father goes away. So unfortunately, I think this is going to die a, a very quiet, uh, quick death. The the FARA issue is so big, and this is an obvious one, but it, it this is, goes back to my original point about the legal corruption, which is it's very obvious that the Bidens are selling influence to overseas uh, entities, and it, it's uh, there's for sure quid pro quos that are going on, but it's very hard to investigate these things under the current laws. Do you see a specific law that could be easily popped in the place, not to say it would ever get supported so long as you know biden's in charge but is is do you see yeah. a quick quick fix when we get someone who's not as uh inclined to do such things in power uh the problem is that usually it's like water running downhill they find a way around the barrier there's no quick fix i do think what we absolutely have have to have because i think the american people care about these issues is require expanding disclosure laws. So think about Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a senator. Joe Biden's vice president. He's now president. He has to disclose if he has $1,000 in general electric stock. He has to disclose any campaign contribution yes. over $200. But if members of his immediate family are involved in you know $1.5 billion private equity deals with a foreign government, there's no disclosure requirement. Um, and this is part of the problem in Washington. They're, they're, they're doing what I call offshoring their corruption, meaning Joe Biden doesn't take the money, uh, but his immediate family does. Um, and, and this is the way it's done in the third world, by the way. Um, yeah. You know, the politician is not the recipient. It's, it's you know, the, the, the son or the daughter or the spouse or the brother. The Bidens have perfected that. So we need to expand that if you are and you need to make it a felony if you fail to disclose it, that if you have an immediate family member that is doing foreign deals, they are required to disclose those in detail as part of your personal financial disclosure. Um, But that's not going to pass because there's too many people doing it. Of course. And, you know, one thing that's interesting with the Bidens is they figure out this way to hide in plain sight. Um, as I reported in, in my book, Breaking the News, that uh, Joe and uh, Hunter had twenty, at least 23 flights together on Air Force Two. And I just looked at like a three year window um, and 23 flights together on Air Force Two. And we're supposed to think they didn't talk business. Uh, Joe just took Hunter to Ireland. And so what Joe's done his whole life is he's always brought family members with him on foreign trips. And he acts like it's an right. educational experience and that he's built that into his narrative. And. I'm sure that's not a totally a lie, but it's also plenty of time to touch base on who's moving which levers in order to make sure that the family's coffers are uh, well stored. Oh, absolutely. And if you look at the Hunter Biden laptop, there are emails from Hunter Biden, you know, blowing into Mexico with uh, with his father on Air Force Two, writing to people he wants to do deals with and business deals, saying, hey, I'm on Air Force Two. I'm with my dad. I'm coming to Mexico 
you know, and he even reminds them, remember, I set you up for uh, private meetings in the vice president's residence. You know, now I'm expecting, you know, favors in return. I mean, it's that explicit. So it is absolutely going on. Um, And these, by the way, are the stories that the media used to cover, right? They used to cover the story that, you know, oh, big oil held a fundraiser for a member of Congress. Um, And those are good, legitimate stories. We cover those on Breitbart. But this is at a much higher level because it involves the family. It involves personal enrichment. We're not talking about some guy raising money for his campaign. Uh, And yet um, the American people see it as a problem, recognize it as a problem. Uh, But the media has been completely absent. And I have to say, Alex, if you look at the trust in American institutions today, Congress has always been like 19 percent. Yeah. Um, people have always distrusted Congress. The president kind of fluctuates. The media is now down at, at congressional levels or below. They have totally, totally destroyed their brand. And I think a lot of it has to do with Russia collusion. It has to Absolutely. do with Biden coverage. People realize the media is actually not informing them on what are the big stories. Sure, of course. And of course, the the incredible book, Breaking the News, with a Peter Schweitzer endorsement right on the cover, you know, so Peter, your hands are in all this stuff, uh, explaining what's really going on. Yeah, yeah no, no. Got, by the way, I will say I've, I've been fortunate enough to read uh, early drafts of, of uh, Breaking Biden, and uh, it's, it's fantastic. I think, you know, with somebody like me who thinks I don't know if there's anything new to say on Joe Biden. Oh, absolutely. You prove there's a lot new to say about it. Uh, there's a lot new to say, and I, I'm excited that there seems to be an appetite to to hear it. And I think the news yesterday is just going to frustrate the public. And there's still so many unanswered questions. And, and one of the things that I will tell you, I do, I will tease, I do not completely answer. And this is because it's impossible to do so. Some of the deals that the the Bidens are cut with foreign entities are with entities that are worth so much money. They're worth billions of dollars that for them to break off a eight-figure check to the Bidens, they wouldn't even notice it. It would be like pocket change for, for someone like me. Yeah. And yeah. we don't know all these details. And they're not even entirely hiding it. Hunter is still involved with BHR, as far as we know. BHR Partners, a Chinese equity fund. Uh, he, the, the, the web of deals with massive Chinese conglomerates that are only operating with the blessing of the CCP, those are still intact. And I don't know if these are going to be the subject to further investigations. I know Comer's focus on these bank records. Uh, speak to this on a broader level. And is there anything specific you're hoping uh, gets uncovered in these investigations? Well, here's what I would say is I've been actually pretty encouraged to buy what Comer has done so far. I know a lot of people are saying, why aren't you going quicker? Why aren't you putting the stuff out there? What, what they've done is they're, they're doing what prosecutors generally do. They're first gathering the material. So there are 12 banks. Imagine that. The Biden family uses 12 banks. Who uses 12 banks? Uh, But they use 12 banks for their (laughs) LLC. It sounds so inconvenient. I can't remember the passwords for my one account, Peter. Like, it's the... (laughs) (laughs) How do you keep up with it? (laughs) I I have a feeling, by the way, that that for all of the uh, uh, discussion about Hunter's drug problems, he probably remembered the passwords to his various bank accounts. (laughs) Um, But... But the point the point I'm trying to make is so they they subpoenaed records for four of the 12 banks. They're subpoenaing the records for the other eight banks. So they're collecting that material. That's going to be important. That's why I think Comer says right now they've got 10 million. It's going to go up to 30. I think it's going to go higher. 
So they're going to gather that material. Second level thing they're doing is they're bringing in the Hunter Biden associates, uh, guys like Devin Archer. Some of them are actively cooperating with the committee. Some of them may not. and You need to subpoena them and bring them in. So then you get the cohorts and the partners. Then you go to the inner circle, the inner sanctum, which would be Hunter Biden, James Biden, et cetera. So I think the approach that they are taking is good. I think that the financial records are clear. I think one of the things they need to continue to do, I, I talked about it in my book, you and I have talked about it before, is reminding people who these individuals are that were sending them the money. So, yes, they are they are Chinese uh, entities, but they're not a Chinese potato chip factory. Uh, yes. You know, it's 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 a guy like Henry Zhao, who is business partners with the former minister of state security who runs the entire spy apparatus of China. Every single one of them has a close relationship to Chinese intelligence at the highest level. Every single one of them that sent the Biden's money. And I think the point we have to make is this is not just a corruption story. This is an espionage spy story because you cannot eliminate the fact that that's a common denominator in every one of the Chinese deals. And so I am optimistic that we will, the American people are going to learn about this. I think they care about it. I think the polling shows that. And I maybe call me naive, Alex. I believe it is going to reach a point where the mainstream media is going to have to cover it. I mean, if you're having congressional hearings and Hunter Biden business partners are, are basically admitting, yeah, this is what was going on. We were using his dad's name. His dad would call in. You know, the media, their their public approval is going to go to 5% yeah. if they don't cover this stuff. And I think they do care enough about their brand to where they're going to be forced to engage in this. And then that means that Joe Biden is going to be starting to ask questions about this. And as we've seen, when he's asked these softball questions, he just does not have good answers because there are no good answers. No, there are there are no good answers. Uh, there's one other figure here that I feel like has even evaded conservative media attention that seems to be at the center of this is a guy named Kevin Morris, who is Hunter's attorney. And he was the guy who, I guess, lent Hunter the money also to pay his tax bills. Uh, and he's insinuated himself in all different things in Hunter's life. Uh, all this, his art deals, his book deals, and he seems to be a central, a central player in this. And yet it yeah. doesn't seem to come up. Uh, what, what does your research suggest about, about him? What do you know about him, Peter? Well, that's a good question. So we have to keep in mind that, that Kevin Morris is a, is a uh, novelist, but he's an attorney and attorneys can engage in all kinds of, you know, legal legitimate behavior where they're doing things, but they're actually doing it on behalf of another party. So when people say Kevin Morris loaned him the money or Kevin Morris is paying his bills, um, that's true. But it could also be that Kevin Morris is representing somebody who is actually the one that's paying the bills. And there's been no clarification from Kevin wow. Morris or anybody who's actually doing this and why they're doing it. Um, and again, this raises a, a very serious question about influence. What, why is Kevin Morris doing it? What does Karen, Kevin Morris want out of this? Uh, because I don't think it's altruism. So there needs to be further investigation about that. And I think Kevin Morris needs to be asked, are you doing this on behalf of a client 
Um, do you have an escrow account that somebody has set up that they are funding and you are writing the checks for? Or is this actually your personal money? That would be the first question I would ask Kevin Morris. Wow. Wow. And uh, does he have to answer that, though, because he's got attorney-client privilege? Or is it just mostly – this is the whole trick of this, Peter, is that, of course, you want to get on record raising that question, but we'll never get an answer, will we? No. Well, you know, if he evades the question – and says, I'm not going to answer that question, I think we generally know what the answer is. That's <laughs> right? a good point. Because that if is, this, you know, the way, the way that the New York point. Times is, the way that right. the New York Times is kind of positioned is this, is, is that Hunter Biden and Kevin Morris met at a political fundraiser. They both have had substance use issues, and they just became bros. Um, and that's, it's, they're essentially saying that's why Kevin Morris is doing this. So I think if he's asked, look, are you doing this, or is this on behalf of a client? And he does not give a clear answer. It's pretty clear to me then that he's actually not doing it. He's doing it on behalf of someone else. Um, and again, as a lawyer, you are given latitude, legal latitude to to do these sorts of things. And the Bidens, let's face it, they're smart about this. The way they set up the LLCs, let's remember the um, bribery uh, uh, document, FBI document, alludes to the fact that the Burisma executive says – yeah, we sent the money and it goes through all these LLCs. It's going to be hard to unpack. Um, that's a part of this, too. They're smart uh, about the way they engage in this craft. Exactly. And we've really underestimated that. Peter Schweitzer, again, is with me, Government Accountability Institute. Uh, what is the most relevant book to this stuff, Profiles in Corruption? Uh, I would say um, it would probably be Profiles in Corruption or Red-Handed. Um, but or, yeah, those yeah, two absolutely. Are, are the main ones, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I think everyone in this audience read red handed at this point. So just in case you miss profiles and corruption, which I don't think any of you did. Um, the 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 next question I had for you on this, Peter, is this, the issue of how does this investigation or how does accountability happen for the Bidens aside from winning elections? Is there an opportunity for a special counsel here? Uh, where do you think a deeper investigation would go or is it all in the hands of James Comer at this point? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's in the hand of James Comer, because to appoint, appoint an independent counsel, you're going to need some kind of buy-in from the Department of Justice. I mean, Congress can try to force their hand, uh, and maybe they will. Um, but I think that the, the committee has to do the heavy lift, and I think they're going to uncover more information. Let's remember, the stuff we've been talking about, the $30 million, it comes from the laptop, it comes from our forensic research, but we didn't have subpoena power. We couldn't actually look at these bank records. And I think we're going to find some very interesting things in there that we did not even realize was going on. I think the amounts of money are going to be larger uh, than we thought it was. I think we're going to find, um, we already know that, that Burisma set up this uh, bank account in Malta uh, uh, for Hunter Biden, which again yes. makes no sense. Why, why are you doing banking in Malta if you've already got four banks in the United States you're banking with, I think we're probably going to find other offshore accounts uh, that are accounted for, which, again, will raise certain issues. And let's remember, we have whistleblowers out there. We have the IRS um, guys that were saying this was slow walked. Um, so there's, there's still a lot of things to be exposed. And I still have enough faith in the American people that if it's exposed and it's brought to uh, brought forward, it is going to have consequences in the way people view this administration and potentially what happens in, in future elections. Um, I think that we all should have a bank account in Malta just to 
experience what that could be like. It just sounds like I, you're, you've probably been somewhere and experienced some cool things if you're the type of person who have a bank account in, in Malta. Um, were, were you surprised yesterday about what was about the, the result of this with the tax evasion issues that are seem like just wrist slap and the federal gun charge, which uh, I, I don't know how uncommon that is to skirt that thing, but the fact that he can still own a gun, even though he lied about getting a gun, just seems seems like bad form, especially when the people in charge seem to really like gun control at the moment. Was there any, any other details that you feel like are worth highlighting? Uh, yeah, I think that the plea agreement does, apparently does not require any cooperation on the part of Hunter Biden. Again, a lot of times when a plea agreement is, is arranged, that's part of the agreement. Um, and look, the defense on the gun charge is basically, I did this, but I was on drugs. And so the prosecutor said, OK, you need to go to this uh, uh, diversion program. Um, I would not suggest people do what Hunter Biden did and then claim you did it on drugs, uh, because I don't think they're going to give you the same uh, the same uh, 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 you know outcome. Um, and on the tax charges, the same thing. I mean, you know, you, you've got large sums of money. Uh, there are emails that show that he knew, he willfully knew that he was not paying his taxes. Uh, and there are people uh, that have gone to jail uh, uh, for paying less, for, for avoiding less. And the only reason that he addressed this tax issue is because a grand jury was looking at it. The grand jury started looking at it in 2018. That was about four months after uh, uh, my book, Secret Empires, came out and first exposed their overseas dealings. And it was not until four years later, in 2022, that he actually paid those back taxes. Um, so, again, I would not recommend any uh, ordinary American do anything remotely like this because you're not going to get the same outcome. I think that uh, our friends at Babylon B um, had probably the best headline, which was, um, you know, charges reduced, Hunter pleads Biden. You know, yeah. he, he he pled right. that he is a Biden and they gave him a special uh, <laughs> a, a special deal. Yeah. No, they had another good one where they were saying how uh, t the Babylon Bee was uh, noting that uh, Taiwan is very upset that they haven't bribed the Bidens yet. So <laughs> it's the look, it's the we laugh so we don't cry and, and we really should be crying in a lot of ways. And I just feel like we uh, Biden does this uh, stupid guy shtick on uh, in public and Hunter does his crackhead shtick, which is not entirely shtick, but it's partially shtick. And it's in the meantime, they're just getting away with bloody murder, so to speak. And it's yeah. um, it's high time they get held accountable. Uh, we've got high hopes that Comer does it. And if not, it's going to be on the voters. I mean, it's the only way to do it, Peter. I mean, those it sounds like those are the only two options at this point. Yeah, yeah. And let's remember, the Bidens are saying two things happen simultaneously. One, that Hunter was so crazed on drugs that he did this crazy thing with a gun. And he also forgot to pay his taxes. But at the same time, he was being paid by Barisma because he's a trained attorney um, yes. and, and he added value to the business. I mean, it's, it's yes. patently absurd and we need to keep reminding people of that. And that's just a couple examples out of many. And we'll be talking about a lot of that uh, down the road. Uh, Peter, I, I know that you're my resident at Breitbart. You're my resident optimist. Uh, when it comes to the Comer investigation, and I, I run much more cynical on these things than you do. Uh, give me something that I don't want to get you. I don't want. I, I don't want to put you in a position where you're going to have to eat crow down the down the road. But give me something you're excited about 
um, that you, is forthcoming that you could see happening. It could be vague, it could be broad, but I want to give the audience some hope on what you're looking at sure. and what you're hoping for. Uh, there, there, and, and, and I have uh, reasons to know on a personal level that, that several, uh, at least two, uh, Hunter Biden uh, uh, cohorts, that is people that were deep, close business partners with him, are actively cooperating with Comer's committee. So these are people that were in the room, that were partners, that knew what was going on. The second thing I would say, I can't go into detail, but um, there are um, ways and things that the committee is in the process of subpoenaing that are going to lead directly to Joe Biden's doorstep. That it's going to, as we've always said from the beginning, it's not a Hunter Biden story, it's a Joe Biden story. And there are some things that are in the works that I think are going to bring us a treasure trove of information to demonstrate exactly that. Peter Schweitzer, you are an invaluable resource, and we're all glad you're around. And thank you for all of your work at Breitbart and for all of your help of, for me personally in terms of all of my research endeavors as well. And we'll have a lot more to talk about down the road, but uh, thanks again for the time this morning. Uh, you're very welcome, Alex, and congratulations on the book. It's, uh, it's terrific. I'm American made. I got American parts. All right, we have a terrific team. Breitbart News Daily, Robert Marlowe helps me pick topics. Zach Jones puts the show together. Bill Barnett helps us produce a live show as well. Can't thank them enough. But you, the audience, you're my favorite. You're my favorite. So thank you for telling 10,000 friends and family members. AlexMarlowe.com for the latest. And as always, Breitbart.com. All day, every day for all your news. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Oh, child.